0: Our text for this evening's sermon is Genesis chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. Genesis chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. This morning we saw that Joseph's brothers had come to Egypt to get food because there was a famine. They did not recognize their brother whom they had sold into slavery, but he reveals his identity to them in that previous portion in chapter 45, Um, And Joseph tells his brothers to bring his father and all that they have to Egypt so that he may provide for them through this famine. And the sons of Israel, we read in the rest of chapter 45, do this. They go back and they tell their father that Joseph is alive and is the ruler of Egypt and that they can come to Egypt and be provided for through this famine. And in chapter 46, we see Jacob beginning this journey to Egypt, to see Joseph. This is Genesis chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, I am God. The God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, their little ones, and their wives, in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would be applying your word to our hearts. We thank you that we read this morning that Your word does not return to you empty, but goes forth to accomplish your purposes. And by your spirit, may your word be effective for your purposes in each one of us. We pray that you would be glorified in this congregation and that more and more you'd be building up your people here into Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I understand that Hiking is a common activity in this area. Uh, I grew up in Maine, and so I did a little bit of hiking there as well. And um, sometimes when you're hiking, you're tired, and you know that you've got a, a destination off in the distance that you're heading toward, maybe the top of a mountain. But the trail, maybe somewhat surprisingly, turns away From that direction or or goes down and as you're you're tired it's discouraging you say well I want to go over there why am I going over here or I want to go up why am I going down sometimes the path does not seem to be heading toward our goal and in our text we see something maybe a little bit like this Jacob is leaving the promised land. He's in Beersheba, and that's significant because that's often identified with the southern boundary of the promised land. Scripture sometimes speaks of of the promised land as being from Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south. It's it's an expression used to talk about in its entirety. and, And Beersheba really indicates that southern boundary. And so here is Jacob at the southern boundary of the promised land, about to leave. And God has promised him this land. How can he be going to Egypt? That seems to be going in a different direction from the goal God has promised. Sometimes when we look around us, from our perspective, it looks like we're heading farther away from what God has promised. We know what Scripture says. We know what God has promised. But somehow from from our perspective, it doesn't seem to match what we're seeing. For example, we know that Jesus reigns right now. That he is king, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. But when we look around us in the world, sometimes it seems like evil is quite powerful. And evil seems to be successful um, in its ends. We see all sorts of things in our culture that... um, reflect the disregard of the Lord and His Word. That seems to be something of a discrepancy. Or perhaps we know that the Lord saves people, that He promises that the proclamation of the Gospel will be effective in bringing people to Christ. He says that the harvest is plentiful, but as we share the Gospel, perhaps with friends and family, it seems that we see no results. We seem to not be going in the direction of what God has promised. We seem to be going in a different direction. Um, and there, are, there are other examples. Perhaps um, you're expecting to see victory in a particular area of your life, particular sin. Perhaps you're expecting to see that in the life of someone who you care about deeply. But yet there are still struggles and there are still setbacks. And you don't seem to be making progress. or You don't seem to be seeing progress in that person's life and this situation is a difficult one as we encounter this discrepancy between what we think the Lord is going to do what we think he's promised and what we're seeing immediately before us and this leads to fear this is not how you thought it was going to go and so what do we do what do we do and indeed, Jacob really must have been wrestling with this as he must have the, God's words in his ears that God promises in, for example, Genesis 35, verse 12, that the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. He was promised Canaan, and now he's leaving. He was promised land. He was promised that kings would come from him. And now his descendants will become servants. It didn't seem to match for him either. And in this state of uncertainty, of fear, not knowing what the Lord was doing, he turns to God. It says he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. He worships. He turns to God. And God answers him. And the answer is clear. The answer is clear. When it seems that your circumstances don't match what God has promised, don't be afraid. Continue to trust the Lord to keep His promises. And in our text we see several reasons for that trust. First of all, don't be afraid because... Of who God is. See God's words to Jacob in verse 3. I am God, the God of your Father. That's where he starts. Remember who God is He is God. He is God. What does that mean? He is the God who created the heavens and the earth. He is powerful, He is faithful. He has called the people to himself. He keeps his word. He shows steadfast love. He is gracious and merciful. He is God. More than that, the text says, he is the God of your father. He says, I am the God of your father. What does this mean? I think God here is reminding Jacob of his past faithfulness. God has already called Abraham and been faithful to him through his life. He has called Isaac being faithful to him. He has brought Jacob from Canaan to Paddan Aram where Laban was through through a difficult situation there back to Canaan. He has brought Jacob through a lot. He is the God of his father. So for us, Know that first of all, the one who makes these promises is God. He has the power to keep them. He is the one who made everything you see out there, He is the one who made everything you see and everyone you see in here. He is God, and He is able to do it. And further, He is the God who has been faithful to His people in the past. For Abraham and Isaac are not just Jacob's fathers. They are your fathers. Scripture says that you are the seed of Abraham if you have faith in Christ. And so what the faithfulness God has shown to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the people of Israel, to his people throughout history, that's faithfulness to your fathers. So remember that though things may not look like you think they should look, Though it may look like God is not doing what He has said He will do. The God who is promised is the God who has been faithful to His people through generations. So remember what God did for Abraham, what God did for Isaac, what God did for Jacob, what God did in rescuing His people from Egypt, what God did throughout the Old Testament, what God did ultimately for His people in sending Christ and fulfilling His promises in Him and raising Him from the dead. And accomplishing our salvation through this. And even remember what God has done for his people since then, as we have watched Christ build his church. God is the God of your fathers. He is God. So don't be afraid, because he is the same God for you. So remember, who is the one speaking to you? Who is the one speaking to you? Secondly, don't be afraid because God has a purpose. God has a purpose in mind here. We see God giving Jacob a a reason for this. Um, It says in verse 3, Go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. There's a purpose in mind here that God has. God's saying, go down to Egypt so I can make you a great nation. And this, of course, to to make Jacob a great nation was among God's covenant promises. one of the things that he had promised. So there's a a reason involved. There's a purpose involved in God's bringing Jacob to Egypt. And more than that, we know that this ultimately was fulfilled. Exodus 1-7 says, They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. So God had a purpose, and he fulfilled this purpose. We can see that looking back. We also see that God brought them to Egypt to save them from famine. We saw something of that this morning in Joseph's words to his brothers. God brought his people from Egypt to preserve them from this famine. And more than that, as we look through Scripture after the book of Genesis, we see that the Lord had even more in mind in bringing his people to Egypt. First of all, God reveals himself powerfully in His saving his people from Egypt. Consider all that God did for his people through the plagues, through bringing them to the Red Sea, through defeating the Egyptian army there. God revealed who he was powerfully in his salvation for his people through that time. And indeed, as you read through the book of Exodus, you frequently see things like this that they will know that I am the Lord that the Egyptians will know, that you may know, that you may know that there is none like me. And this, this idea is, is, is prevalent in these first few chapters of Exodus as we see God bring his people out of Egypt. So God is revealing who he is as he brings his people to Egypt and ultimately out of Egypt. And especially revealing a, a pattern for our salvation in bringing his people out of Egypt, ultimately fulfilled in Christ's. God glorifies himself through this, ultimately. We see that in Exodus 14 and Exodus 9. God speaks of glorifying himself as he brings his people out of Egypt. And so God has a purpose in what he is doing. So even though it may not look like what God is doing is consistent, is is ultimately leading in the direction that he's promised, he has a purpose. And so God has a purpose in what He's doing in your life also. And this morning we talked about Romans 8:28 and 29, but that again applies here. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you see that all things, even the things that are maybe unexpected or confusing, God works together for good. And more than that, like we talked about this morning, there is an ultimate purpose as we're conformed to the image of Christ and ultimately glorified with Him. So in what you're going through, what may seem unexpected or difficult, God has a purpose for our good to make us more like Christ to glorify His name. Maybe you don't see that now. And that's not easy. But, nevertheless, trust the Lord in His Word that He will bring it to pass. Thirdly, don't be afraid because of the certainty of God's promise. The certainty of God's promise. Verse 4 in our text says, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So, if you look at verse four, it says, "I will also bring you up again." And in the original language, "I will also bring you up again." It's more emphatic than that. You could read it as the you could translate that as the NKJV does as, "I will surely bring you up again." And there's, there's, there's um, that sense in the original that God will surely bring His people up again. The outcome is certain. The Lord will keep His promises. There is no doubt. That's true for Jacob. And we see that. The Lord promised land. That was fulfilled. The Lord promised descendants. That was fulfilled the Lord promised to bless His people, to be with them. We see that over and over again. And ultimately, all of this points ahead to the Lord Jesus. And we saw, we see that the Lord fulfilled His promises ultimately in Christ, as Christ came to earth, died to save His people, and rose again. And even now, continues to work for the salvation of His people. The outcome is certain. And so it is for those promises that God makes to us in His Word that are not yet fulfilled that are not yet fulfilled. They are certain to be fulfilled because God is faithful. He is trustworthy. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The work that God has started in you, if you are in Christ, He will not stop. He will not forget about he will bring it to completion. And First Thessalonians 5.24 says similarly, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. There is a certainty. There is a certainty in God's fulfilling His promises that one day, But first of, all, first of all, we'll see the Lord be faithful to us now, but that one day we will see the complete fulfillment of His promises when we will see Christ and be like Him when every knee will bow, when every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that will come. When we will have a heavenly inheritance, not earthly land, but a heavenly inheritance with Christ. John 10.35 says, Scripture cannot be broken. And Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed. In the heavens. There is a certainty in God's promises. He will surely do it. So don't be afraid because God is trustworthy and He will do what He says He will do. Fourth, don't be afraid because of God's presence. God is with you even in this uncertain and unexpected situation. We, of course, first see that God was with Jacob and his people. Verse 4 says, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. God does not send his people and say, I'll catch up with you later when you get back here. No, he goes with them. He promises to be with them. And indeed in verse 4, it says, I myself will go down with you again. I will bring you up again. That I is strongly emphasized in the original language. It's really an emphasis. I myself will go down with you. God is with his people. He promises this here. And God is still with his people. God promises this to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and we are, we are the people of God. And so God promises, those promises to God's people the past, they are still ours. And they are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That God is with his people. That God is with you. God is with you as you wait for fulfillment of his promises. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And what, what does God's presence result in for us? What, in what ways is God with us? I don't think there's a... We can't cover that in any way completely, what it means for God to be with His people, but just a few things to think about as you consider God being with you. Consider His love. Romans 8, 38, and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is with you. His love is with you. Consider help and strength through God's presence as well as being. That is also yours. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's presence results in help and strength for us. Brothers and sisters, God is with you and that makes all the difference. You are not alone to face the things before you. But God has promised to be with you and to give you everything you need in the Lord Jesus. Fifth, don't be afraid because God will show you His goodness. God will show you His goodness. God will even show you His goodness along the way as you wait. We see this in the end of verse 4. God says that Joseph's hand will close Jacob's eyes. What a thing to say. What a thing to hear. Jacob thought he had lost his son. And now God in His grace and tenderness says you thought you lost your son, but He will close your eyes. You will see Him again and He will be the one with you at your death. What a tender mercy of God. What a tender mercy of God to give Jacob that thing. And so God shows his goodness to his people. We await a greater goodness, if you will, at Christ's return in glory. But God shows us his goodness day by day. Psalm 23, in that final verse, speaks of God's goodness and mercy. You can translate that word, pursuing us all the days of our lives. God's goodness pursues you, brothers and sisters, all the days of your lives. And so as you wait, as you sit waiting for God's promises to be revealed, maybe looking around you and thinking that things don't quite look like you expected them to look. Know that God is still good and will show you His goodness even in those uncertain and difficult places. Finally, don't be afraid because as you wait, as you Sit in this discrepancy between what you see and what you know God will do, know that you are following Christ. Know that you are following Christ. Scripture uses interesting language to talk about the promised land. Going away from the promised land is spoken of as going down. You go down to Egypt. you go back up to the promised land. You go down away from God, away from what He has promised, but you go up to His presence and to His promise. You go down to the grave, but then you go up. And in Christ, we see a going down and a going up, don't we? That Christ came to earth, underwent humiliation, underwent death on the cross, and was buried, he went down. But he went up again, did he not? He went up again to receive what God had promised, the inheritance God had promised him, the authority that was his when he rose from the dead, when he ascended to the right hand of God. Christ went down, but then he went up again. And we live that out in our own lives as well. We go down to difficult places, seemingly going away from where we think um, God is or where we think God would have us to be, where we think God has promised. Difficult places. But God will bring us up again. God will bring you up again. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 through seven says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And that book of 1 Peter is written to Christians undergoing persecution. And Peter is telling them that in their persecution, they are reflecting Christ's life. That they are undergoing humiliation. They are going down. But that God will, at the proper time, exalt them. And so it is for you and for me. In our lives, we undergo these these periods of humbling. But know for certain, as you submit to God and to His will, that He will exalt you at the proper time. And in the meantime, Peter says this, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on Him cares for you so brothers and sisters it's can be a, a challenging thing to our faith when it seems like we're going in a different direction from where we think the Lord has promised that we will go but don't be afraid don't be afraid because God is the one who has promised and he is faithful Don't be afraid because He is with you. Don't be afraid because His promise is certain. Don't be afraid because He has a purpose, your goodness and your salvation in what He is doing. And don't be afraid because He will show you His goodness along the way. And know that as you go through these trials that you may face, that just as Christ suffered and was raised up, so you, humbling yourself under God's mighty hand, will be exalted at the proper time. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word to us. And we thank You that You are with us and that Your promises are absolutely certain. Help us to trust. Help us to faithfully wait. To faithfully submit to your will for us. Knowing that you will exalt us. Help us not to be afraid and to cast all our anxieties on you. Thank you that you care for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.